It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 392 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called New Year, New Unions. It is January 6th, 2023, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off with a better ABK. They tweeted the following thing on December 25th, and they wrote this. Happy holidays from our organizers to you. Our QA is enjoying a paid holiday break for the second year, one of the things we fought hard for last year. We plan to return to our workplace in 2023 refreshed and ready to fight for a better ABK. On December 27, Proletariat Workers Alliance with the CWA posted the following on Twitter. We are excited to announce that the workers of proletariat have asked management to voluntarily recognize our union, the Proletariat Workers Alliance. There's a whole mission statement in here, which I think is probably going to get read out in the next series of tweets that they put together. So I'll just read you some of those. It is with great honor and pride that we, the workers of Proletariat Inc., are forming a union in affiliation with the Communications Workers of America, CWA, We are game developers of varied skill sets and backgrounds brought together through a shared commitment to our organization's great mission. We aim to be a beloved game studio with a diverse team doing our best work to create innovative experiences at the frontier of game development. We are unionizing to protect this mission and to set the studio up for success as we enter Proletariat's next chapter, Joining Forces with ABK. Proletariat's values of transparency, respectful collaboration, and understanding why are important to all of us. Unionization is the culmination of these values. We have to have a say in building the exciting future ahead of us. We are forming a union so we can fight to ensure our progressive human-first benefits, such as a flexible PTO policy, remote work as a permanent option, and robust health care. Open and transparent communication over compensation and pushing to pay workers a thriving rage. Thriving wage. I'm sure there's a thriving rage in there somewhere. Wow, but that's not what they wrote. They wrote wage. Clear, equitable, and actionable processes and resources for workers to attain their career goals, such as professional development, paths to promotions and raises. Overtime is never mandatory. Refusing doesn't affect performance and valuations. And voluntary overtime has better pay and health protections. A transparent process by which management and workers can hold each other accountable without fear of retaliation to seek justice for all workers, especially those who hold marginalized identities. Our culture and policies prioritize DEI in every level of decision-making and support underrepresented groups so we can build the most diverse and equitable AAA game studio in the country. 
We ask that proletariat and ABK leadership voluntarily recognize our union and bargain in good faith. We believe that leadership should follow in the steps of Microsoft and commit to a labor neutrality agreement so that any and all workers throughout our company may unionize without fear of retaliation or interference. Proletariat has always valued collaboration through mutual dignity, respect, and trust. We will embody these values while working with leadership, enabling us to do our best work and innovate what a game studio can be for its fans and employees. Leadership has continually improved our progressive policies, and us forming a union is critical to building a stronger proletariat. It goes on a little bit from there, but there's that one. CNET wrote this on December 27. More Activision Blizzard workers filed to unionize. This is the third group of employees to have taken action to form a union at the company this year. This is from Alex Langone. There's a picture of Blizzard Entertainment as the header picture. Almost 60 video game employees at Activision Blizzard on Tuesday said they have filed for union representation, according to a report from Bloomberg. Workers at the Boston-based proletariat video game studio, which was acquired by Activision Blizzard earlier this year, said they're organizing with the Communications Workers of America to form a union that includes, quote, designers, animators, engineers, producers, and quality assurance workers, and, quote, if it succeeds, it will be the first union at Activision Blizzard to include employees outside of quality assurance, Bloomberg, Bloomberg says. Proletariat's unionizing efforts mark the third push to organize what the company has seen this year with Raven Software organizing in January and employees at Blizzard Albany voting to unionize earlier this month. Employees at Activision Blizzard have continued to organize despite alleged threats from the company, which was charged by the National Labor Relations Board in May with violating the National Labor Relations Act, or NLRA, which states that it's unlawful for employers to interfere with or dissuade employees seeking to organize a union. The video game workers' unionizing efforts are happening at the same time as the Federal Trade Commission attempts to block Microsoft from purchasing Activision Blizzard for six $69 billion, arguing that the merger will harm competition among video game console makers. In a statement to CNET, Activision Blizzard said, Our top priority remains our employees, and we value the contributions the talented proletariat team has made since joining Blizzard this summer. We've just received the petition and will provide a response to the NLRB in the coming days. This is not signed by anyone at all. We have no idea who wrote that and sent that to CNET. And then we have uh, Bloomberg a little bit in here too they wrote on december 27 third activision blizzard video game studio seeks to unionize they have a different picture of the front of blizzard entertainment and here's a little bit from the bloomberg article a group of Activision Blizzard Inc. video game employees in Boston said Tuesday they're organizing a union with the Communications Workers of America. The 57-person proletariat unit that filed for union representation includes designers, animators, engineers, producers, and quality assurance workers, according to a statement. Should the effort succeed, it would be the first gaming union at Activision comprising workers outside of quality assurance who test video games for bugs and performance and are widely considered underpaid across the industry. 
Irvine, California-based Activision acquired Proletariat and its 100 workers in June 2022 to aid in its World of Warcraft franchise. The union effort is the third this year at Activision. Again, this was written in December of 2022. Workers at the gaming giants Raven Software first organized a union in January, while those at Blizzard Albany voted to unionize in December. Quote, earlier this year, when we heard that Blizzard was planning to acquire Proletariat, we started to discuss how we could protect the great culture we have created here, Proletariat software engineer Dustin Yost said in an email. By forming a union and negotiating a contract, we can make sure that we are able to continue doing our best work and create innovative experiences at the frontier of game development, end of quote. An Activision spokesperson said the company values. It's the same thing that was said in the other article over there. Uh, Microsoft Corp. is in the process of acquiring Activision Blizzard. We already know this. Uh, earlier this month, quality assurance workers at its Zenimax Studios began organizing a union, the first at Microsoft. A Microsoft spokesperson said at the time that the effort was, quote, an example of our labor principles in action. We remain committed to providing employees with an opportunity to freely and fairly make choices about their workplace representation. So that sounds pretty good. Uh, then we have on January 3rd, Code CWA tweeted this breaking at Zenimax workers won their election, making them the first official bargaining unit of Microsoft and the largest certified video game studio union in the U.S. The company has formally recognized the union with CWA union historic win. What a way to start 2023. And there's a smiley face with a little hat on, like blowing one of those little things that makes noise. Um, looks like a console, uh, a controller and looks like a plant of some kind like growth maybe they're talking about i'm not really sure but they got it and then we have cnn business that says microsoft gets its first u.s union published on january 3rd i'll read you a little bit from this it might be similar-ish to the other ones um but this is what they wrote Developers at Microsoft-owned gaming studio voted on Tuesday to form the first ever U.S. union at the tech giant, a milestone moment for both the company and the video game industry. Some 300 quality assurance workers at Microsoft's Zenimax Studios voted to unionize with the Communication Workers of, Communications Workers of America Union, according to the CWA. A statement provided to CNN, in a statement provided to CNN, Microsoft said it had agreed to recognize the union. Quote, in light of the results of the recent unionization vote, we recognize the Communications Workers of America, CWA, as the bargaining representative for the quality assurance employees at Zenimax. A spokesperson for Microsoft said, quote, we look forward to engaging in good faith negotiations as we work toward a collective bargaining agreement. The company previously told CNN it would maintain a neutral stance toward the Zenimax organizing efforts in keeping with Microsoft's pledge last June to recognize the rights of workers to organize. Here's a quote. Microsoft has lived up to its commitment to its workers and let them decide for themselves whether they want a union, CWA President Chris Shelton said in a statement. Other video game and tech giants have made a conscious choice to attack undermine and demoralize their own employees when they join together to form a union. Microsoft is charting a different course, which will strengthen its corporate culture and ability to serve its customers and should serve as a model for the industry 
as a blueprint for regulators. And then it's talking about, you know, things that had happened before and other problems with attempts to unionize at other companies, that, including Amazon, which kind of has a game, but, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so there's that. So, you know, new year, new unions. Here we go. And uh, somebody posted a thing on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, but it was comparing the amount of money people get for certain roles at three different gaming companies. There was, and I can't remember where I, I read this somewhere, and I cannot remember right off the top of my head what this was, but there was some sort of law that had passed in the United States that said that companies, big companies, even gaming companies, have to publicly post the amount of money that each position is going to get or the range or something like this. It, it was supposed to make it very abundantly clear what these people are getting paid. Okay, so here we have Bungie and they have uh, a post here about Destiny test lead. And so it's talking about, you know, what a test lead is and what they want and what the responsibilities and skills are and this sort of thing. And here's part of them talking about the payment. In the journey to make incredible worlds, Bungie employees don't simply do meaningful work, they receive meaningful support. Competitive salaries and discretionary bonus opportunities are just the start. We offer comprehensive healthcare coverage, generous 401k matching, flexible time off policies, paid parental leave, social clubs, and so much more. Check out our benefits page and its benefits Bungie careers to see all the perks that come with joining Bungie. Washington State pay range is $86,000 to $108,000 USD. Bungie employees also receive annual paid time off and or sabbatical based on position level and it doesn't seem to say how much that's going to be in here 10 paid floating days annually prorated in the first year of employment based on the start date 10 paid bungee observed holidays each year one hour of paid sick time for every 30 hours worked so this doesn't necessarily tell me exactly how much money you'd get if you decided to apply for this position as a destiny test lead it just says kind of the range it doesn't really tell you a whole lot and it's specifically saying washington state pay range i guess they're in washington so you might get eighty six thousand dollars or you might get one hundred eight thousand dollars or somewhere in the middle and it's not really clear if this applies to all of their people working on this or or what so that's kind of sketchy okay so we also have riot games they're based in Los Angeles, and they have a thing up here for QA Engineer 2 Team Flight Tactics. And I'm going to just go ahead and skim down to the part where they talk about pay. Well, there's not much here, <laughs> you know? Um, they've got all these qualifications that they want, and that's kind of typical for pretty much any job. So at the bottom... It says, our perks, we offer medical, dental, and vision plans that cover you, your spouse, slash domestic partner, and children. Life insurance, parental leave, plus short-term and long-term disability coverage are also available. Riot will support your retirement benefits with a company match and double down on your donations of time and money to nonprofit charitable organizations. Balance between work and personal life is encouraged with open paid time off and a play fund so you can broaden and deepen your personal relationship with games. And this particular job, Los Angeles only, this job has a base hourly range of $47.12 USD to $66.35 USD plus incentive compensation, which uh, 
they're, they've got this weird formula in here. It says annual and long-term plus equity plus 401k with company match plus medical, dental, vision, and life insurance plus short and long-term disability plus open PTO. So you might get $47 an hour or you might get $66 an hour and who knows? <laughs> who knows? And then we've also got Blizzard who is posting a test lead for Diablo 4. And, you know, there's a job description, responsibilities, requirements, all this kind of stuff in here. Rewards. Okay, what are the rewards? We provide a suite of benefits that promote physical, emotional, and financial well-being for every world. We've got our employees covered. Exclamation point. Subject to eligibility requirements, the company offers comprehensive benefits, including medical, dental, vision, health savings account or health reimbursement account, health care spending accounts, dependent care spending accounts, life and AD&D insurance. This is not the game. This is not Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, disability insurance. 401k with company match, tuition reimbursement, charitable donation matching, paid holidays and vacation, paid sick time, floating holidays, compassion and bereavement leaves, parental leave, mental health and well-being programs, fitness programs, free and discounted games, and a variety of other voluntary benefit programs like supplemental life and disability, legal service, ID protection, rental insurance, and others. If the company requires that you move geographic locations for the job, then you may also be eligible for relocation assistance. Eligibility to participate in these benefits may vary for part-time and temporary full-time employees and interns with the company. And then there's this in all cap. Well, it's, it's bold. The rest of this wasn't in bold, but this is a slightly larger font. And it says this. In the U.S., the standard base pay range for this role working on Diablo 4, is $49,600 to $91,760 annual. This base pay range is for the U.S. and is not applicable to locations outside of the U.S. Actual amounts will vary depending on experience, performance, and location. In addition to a competitive base pay, employees in this role may be eligible for incentive compensation. Incentive compensation is not guaranteed. So all three of these companies are blowing off that law, and I think that's going to come back to bite them in the year coming up, you know, coming up as soon as... Um, the U.S. government kind of figures out who they're going to have for Speaker of the House, which they're currently struggling with at, you know, the day that I'm recording this. They're, they're having problems there, so it's just kind of a mess. And there we are. Engadget has an article that was posted on January 1st titled Microsoft and FTC Pre-Trial Hearing for January 3rd. I'm not really sure what that means exactly. It's already past January 3rd, but let's see. Um, this is written by Igor Bonifacic, something like that. A federal judge has set a date for the first pre-trial hearing between Microsoft and the Federal Trade Commission. The two go to court on January 3rd, which as we know has passed, today is the 6th, to spar over the fate of Microsoft's $69 billion bid to buy Call of Duty publisher Activision Blizzard. Microsoft and Activision announced the merger at the start of 2022. We kind of know that. Last month, the FTC sued Microsoft to block the acquisition from moving forward. Microsoft, quote, Microsoft has already shown that it can and will withhold content from its gaming rivals, FTC director Holly Vidova said at the time, 
quote, Today we seek to stop Microsoft from gaining control over a leading independent game studio and using it to harm competition in multiple dynamic and fast-growing gaming markets. The FTC is expected to face an uphill battle trying to convince a judge of the merits of its case. For one... Microsoft isn't pushing for a, quote, horizontal, end quote, merger that would see it take one of its direct competitors out of the picture. Additionally, the company has signaled that it's ready to make concessions to rubber stamp the deal. Should the merger move forward, Microsoft has pledged to release future Call of Duty games on competing platforms for at least 10 years. It also said it would bring the franchise to Nintendo consoles, which blows my mind right there. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know why... <laughs> Why Nintendo would want this violent game in there with like, I don't know, Animal Crossing and stuff like that. But there's that going on. There's also Windows Central posted an article. Um, let's see, it was updated 14 days ago. It says the title is Microsoft confirms that Sony has blocked these four games from hitting Xbox forever. So previously I talked about how Sony was all, oh, poor me. They're going to take away Call of Duty. We're never going to have it back again. And all this other nonsense. Apparently Sony's been doing the same stuff and not letting Microsoft have some of these games. So here's what you need to know in bullet points. Microsoft is wrestling with three major regulators over its attempt to acquire Activision Blizzard. As part of the proceedings, Microsoft Microsoft has revealed that Sony has set up exclusion deals for third-party games on PlayStation. It seems that Final Fantasy VII Remake, Final Fantasy XVI, and Silent Hill 2 Remake will never hit Xbox, despite the associated publisher's silence on the matter. Microsoft also listed From Software's Bloodborne as an example of a third-party developed game that has been blocked from non-PlayStation platforms, which could imply that the oft-requested Windows PC port is out of the question, too. Sony has been friendlier toward PC in recent years, though, so I'm keeping the hopium close for this one, says the writer Jez Corden. So that's kind of what it is, but there's a little bit more in here, and it's talking about Microsoft published its response to the United States FTC over its lawsuit. I think I read that in a previous show. Here's a paragraph that seems relevant to this. When Final Fantasy... Seven remake was announced. It was revealed as a timed exclusive, complete with a countdown timer as to how long it would remain exclusive to PlayStation. This led many Xbox fans to expect Final Fantasy VII R would eventually hit Microsoft's console. But alas, it simply hasn't been the case. It seems Square Enix's, quote, timed exclusivity periods pertain only to the PC versions of their games, given that Final Fantasy VII R is now available on Steam for Windows... In case you missed it, uh, Microsoft confirmed as much in its response to the UK regulator, claiming that Sony had set up permanent exclusion deals for games like Bloodborne, Final Fantasy, something else, and the upcoming Silent Hill 2 remake, which is kind of sketchy if you think about it, you know? Here's, here's Sony going, poor me, poor me, we're going to lose all of our games, They're going, Microsoft's going to take it away from us, how will we survive? And they're doing the same shit, you know what I mean? They're doing the same thing. Ugh. Reuters on December 30 posted an article titled First Pre-Trial Hearing in Microsoft Activision Case Set for January 3rd. There's probably not a whole lot in here that hasn't been said in the other ones, but there might be. It's a very short article. Federal Trade Commission, which enforces antitrust law, asked a judge to block the transaction earlier this month, arguing that the merger would allow Microsoft's Xbox to get exclusive access to Activision games, leaving Nintendo consoles and Sony's PlayStation out in the cold. 
which is obviously the opposite considering what we just heard from that other article. Uh, Microsoft has countered that the deal would benefit gamers and gaming companies alike, offering to sign a legally binding consent decree with the FTC and provide Call of Duty games to rivals, including Sony, for a decade. Um, the case is a sign of the administration of U.S. President Joe Biden taking a muscular approach to antitrust enforcement, but antitrust experts say the FTC faces an uphill battle to convince a judge to block the deal because of the voluntary concessions offered by Microsoft to allay fears it could dominate the gaming market. Then we have IGN, and this one was posted on December 22. Microsoft-Activision acquisition, colon, CMA says public in favor of the deal as EU regulators ask game companies about it. The regulator got 2,100 emails with the majority in favor of the merger. This is written by Rayan Saeed, if I'm saying that right. So here we go. The UK's Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, has shared that the majority of the public is in favor of the Microsoft Activision acquisition. The regulator collected comments from the public for a duration of two weeks in October 2022 in its summary titled, Responses from Members of the Public to the Issues Statement. The CMA revealed it received over 2,100 emails about the matter. Uh, the CMA will release a final report on March 1st, 2023, so we're going to be waiting on that for a while. In the meantime, it shared views that were expressed by the public that are in favor of the acquisition. Here are some of them. Microsoft is not as strong as Sony and Nintendo in console gaming. The acquisition will help Microsoft to compete against the two companies. As Microsoft will not make Activision games, including Call of Duty, exclusive to Xbox, the acquisition will not harm rival consoles. It gave Minecraft as an example. Microsoft won't make Call of Duty an exclusive because it is a multiplayer game. The merger will push Sony to innovate, such as to create more games that will compete with Call of Duty. Here are some of the views that, expressed, that were expressed against the acquisition. Microsoft is dominant in the PC operating system space, and the acquisition will lead to it dominating in gaming as well. Microsoft is big enough to make games that can compete with PlayStation exclusives without acquiring Activision. The acquisition would set a bad example of tech giants acquiring large publishers. If the deal goes through, other publishers such as EA and Ubisoft could be acquired too. Now that's just... They're not looking for those. They're specifically looking for... You know, <laughs> not not those companies. They're not going to eat all the companies of you know gaming companies all at once. That's just I don't see where that view came from at all whatsoever, at all. Unless they're assuming that some other publisher, like maybe Sony, was going to like swallow those companies or something like that. I don't know. Apparently, the European Commission has sent out a 91-page-long survey to game developers and publishers. The purpose of the questionnaire is to gather thoughts of the industry leaders about the Microsoft Activision deal, uh, including the potential impact. Reuters apparently has seen the document of 91 freaking pages long, so that's still kind of stuck in limbo. On January 5th, the Evening Standard, via Yahoo Entertainment, I don't really have any familiarity with this particular publication, wrote this. 
Blow for Microsoft as UK competition watchdog delays merger with Call of Duty maker Activision, written by Simon Hunt on January 5th. Microsoft's hopes to acquire the Call of Duty maker Activision suffered another blow today after the UK competition watchdog said it would be delaying its decision on whether to approve the deal by almost two months. The competition and markets authority said the deadline for the outcome of its inquiry into the deal would be pushed back by eight weeks from the beginning of March to the end of April. The statement, in a statement, the CMA said, in taking this decision, the inquiry group had regard, had regard to the scope and complexity of the investigation and the need to consider a large volume of evidence. The regulator first began its probe into the acquisition in September on grounds that the deal could damage the video games market by blocking access to Activision's games or giving access on unfavorable terms. It goes on from there a little bit. Microsoft Vice President Brad Smith hit back at those concerns, telling the Reuters news agency, we want people to have more games, not less, or access to more games, not less, adding he was committed to making Activision's latest Call of Duty release available on the same day on both Xbox and PlayStation. Xbox Phil Spencer said in December he would bring the Call of Duty franchise to Nintendo consoles if the merger is approved. Uh, the deal, which was first announced in January, is set to close in June of 2023 if it clears regulatory hurdles. Microsoft is understood to face a $3 billion breakup fee if the deal falls through. So there's that one. There's Games Radar, published a day ago. UK government delays verdict on Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard by eight weeks. And let's see if there's anything new in here. Um, probably not. It's probably overlapping the other one, but you know, you can pick and choose whatever site you want to look at. And then there's a site called Tech Story, which I don't know very much about, but they wrote this headline, Chile approves Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition, written by Priyanesh Sidwana on December 31st. The Financial Na National Economy Authority, FNE, Chile's regarding body for markets, has just issued an endorsement for Microsoft's highly controversial acquisition of mega publisher Activision Blizzard. They explained that while the merger generates horizontal and vertical overlap, since Microsoft is the dominant publisher, while Activision Blizzard is one of the largest video game developers, this transaction does not undermine the balance of the gaming market, nor does it create an unfair situation for Microsoft's competitors in Chile. The country's market regulators conducted two main analyses, which covered a horizontal analysis, assessing if the acquisition will hinder the competition of other developers against Activision Blizzard, and a vertical one, to assess whether Microsoft may hinder the avail availability of games developed by Activision Blizzard, and a vertical one assessing if Microsoft may not allow other platforms to provide games developed by Activision Blizzard, the UK's Competition Authority, CMA, has recently entered into the second stage of its inquiry into Microsoft's act acquisition of Activision Blizzard in more detail in order to make sure the deal does not give Microsoft a competitive advantage should it be approved. Their initial claim is that Chile has no problems with the transaction, as does Brazil, which was one of the first countries to approve this deal. Activision Blizzard's VP of Corporate Affairs and Chief Operating Officer Lulu Chang Miservi also confirmed their decision to confirm the mega deal, noting that Chile now joins other countries who approved of our, as she says, Microsoft acquisition, including Brazil, Saudi Arabia, and Serbia. There's a little more there, but that's kind of the main idea. So some company or some countries like it, some don't. We have a PlayStation blog here, and I know it sounds weird to be highlighting PlayStation after all the stuff that they're kind of trying to do to get out of this thing um, or to prevent Microsoft from getting it. 
but they actually did something good, so I'm going to highlight that. On January 4th, the PlayStation blog wrote, Introducing Project Leonardo for PlayStation 5, a highly customizable accessibility controller kit. So what it looks like, it's a circle, and it's got uh, numbers on it for X, a triangle, circle, three lines, something in front of a little joystick controller, which can be locked down to a table, like, so it won't slide. There's an R2, R1, L2, and L1. And in the middle, there's a square, and there's some numbers around it. So this is like a differently designed controller. So someone that can't use the typical, you know, controller could still play some games with this one. And I'll just read a little bit about it. The header says, designed to remove barriers to gaming and help players with disabilities play more easily, more comfortably, and for longer periods on PS5. Written by Senior Vice President Hidaki Nishino for Platinum Experience. Okay. Accessibility is an important topic to us at PlayStation, and we want to continue raising the bar to enable every gamer to experience the joy of play. Whether it's the robust accessibility options in PlayStation Studios games like Santa Monica Studios' God of War Ragnarok or Naughty Dog's The Last of Us Part 1 or the wide array of features on our PS4 and PS5 console UI, we're passionate about reducing barriers to play for every gamer. Today at CES, oh, they're at CES, that's interesting, we announced the next step in our journey to make gaming more accessible, Project Leonardo for PlayStation 5, developed with key contributions from accessibility experts, community members, and game developers. Project Leonardo is our code name for a new, highly customizable controller kit that works out of the box to help many players with disabilities play games more easily, more comfortably, and for longer periods. Through conversations with accessibility experts and incredible organizations like Able Gamers, Special Effect, and Stack Up, we've designed a highly configurable controller that works in tandem with many third-party accessibility accessories and integrates with the PS5 console to open up new ways of gaming. It is built to address common challenges faced by many players with limited motor control, including difficulty holding a controller for long periods, accurately pressing small clusters of buttons or triggers, and positioning thumbs and fingers optimally on a standard controller. There's a video in here. They've kind of got another picture here of all the pieces on this controller, like, spread out and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, there's just a bunch of stuff you can do with this. You can customize it a bit. You can move stuff around. and It looks kind of cool. And anything, in my opinion, anything that helps people with disabilities to play video games is a good thing if it works well. And I'm assuming it's going to work well with this. So that's kind of neat. I guess they're at CES, which is going on right now uh, as I'm recording this episode. Got a little bit here about, you know, Diablo games because that's part of all of this too. And in case you are unaware or have never done this, the Darkening of Tristram returned on January 3rd, and it will be around for a little while. Uh, probably by the end of January it'll be done. You can get some cool stuff. There is a butcher pet you can get, and a banner you can get, and some other little things like that. It's going to... Um, the cultists have already appeared on December 31st at 4 p.m., and they will attack you uh, anywhere in Sanctuary and drop stuff for you that... I don't remember what it does anymore. I've done this so many times that I've forgotten. And it's going to um, start. There's a portal that'll open on January 3rd, and then the event ends on January 31st at 4 p.m. So if you haven't done that and want to do that, I highly recommend it. It's pretty fun to do. And if you're, like, leveling a new character, this is a good place to do it in. 
There's also for Diablo Immortal on January 3rd, they posted uh, a piece here called Quell the Rising Damnation in Diablo Immortal. And this is the second major update for Diablo Immortal. Many gallant adventurers have unshackled Stormpoint from evil, stayed safe and warm during the Brumlatine holiday event, and began their ascent to hell difficulties for five or five, I don't know, the, the higher ones. I can't read Roman numerals. I can't help that. We are beginning 2023 with a smaller content update comprised of a new limited time event and a variety of updates to existing game features. The year is just beginning, though, and we have many content updates and additional major updates in store for you. We thank you for your for beginning your year by slaying Hell's Horrors in Diablo Immortal. So um, the content updates, there's going to be server maintenance. I think it's already done at this point. There's feature updates in here. There's legendary gems, like new ones. Um, there's stones, reforged stones that you can use for something. Reforged stones may now be purchased using platinum. That's probably going to turn a lot of people off. Each reforged stone will cost 1,000 platinum. That's a lot. Uh, Ibn Fad's Sanctum. Aspirant keys and gems will now be automatically looted from Ibn Fan's Sanctum, which is good because I tried that a while back and it was kind of like, okay, is that all? <laughs> you know? um, social notification improvements. When you create a Heliquary raid, members of your warband and clan will be notified via their respective chat channels, allowing them to join your raid. A party leader's bounties will now be automatically shared with other party members unless those players already have four active bounties. That's kind of fun. Uh, Rising Damnation Limited Time event is going on. That one started uh, from January 5th at 3 a.m. to January 13th server time. Um, you complete daily Rising Damnation tasks. You'll receive various rewards for your heroics. Racking up enough completed tasks will also unlock milestone rewards for you, a testament to your valor. Hungering Moon is back. They span that one out a lot uh, it started january 3rd it's going through january 9th there's some bug fixes and that's about all we got with that one and the last thing i have for you is this lovely piece of art uh that i believe is created by the person that posted it i think uh named uh nax wuno last piece of art this year from me seems to be her art it is lilith and anarius and there's anarius and you know what the angels look like it's like a a hood with no face in it, a little black background in there, and armor and the wings, you know, the light from the wings going off in the background. And then there's a Lilith who has put her hand on the chest of Anarius's armor and is glaring out at the viewer. And she's got her red wings kind of folded behind her and it's some armor and it's really neat. So go check that out if you, if you want to. You might be able to find it on Twitter if you're on Twitter. If not, everything I talked about in this show will go in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. And with that, I'm going to close the show. You have been listening to episode 392 of the Shattered Soul Stone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.